And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Dr. Frank Imbarato, a local medical doctor. And Frank, it's wonderful to have you here again with us. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you having me back. You know, one thing that you've been involved with, you and a few other guys, uh, since we last talked, is a, a mission trip to Nicaragua to minister to people there with the uh, Global Health Outreach, GHO. And I'm wondering if you can just um, help us uh, appreciate, better understand what it was that you were involved with there with that missions outreach. Thanks, Dan. To review for some of the listeners, GHO is the short-term mission arm of CMDA, Christian Medical and Dental Association, which is a a large medical and dental association out of Bristol, Tennessee that has about 40 ministries within the mother organization, and GHO is the short-term mission arm. And, Dan, it's been around for over 50 years, and each week we send a a mission team all around the world, uh, on an average about 48 teams a, a year, 48, 50 teams a year, Nicaragua is a dedicated mission field where we have a full-time missionary there, and he receives approximately 10 or 11 teams a year down there. We use it as a a training ground for team leaders, and we also delight in bringing families and young people down there as a stepping stone in introducing them to uh, the mission field because these trips tend to be a little less expensive, a little less timely as far as uh, the extent of travel, and uh, we know that it's safe as well, but the need to spread the gospel and to love on these people who are living in destitute poverty is so high. So this particular trip, um, we uh, had a very large team. My team was 48 people. We had 10 doctors, 6 nurses, 2 pharmacists, 5 dentists, and the rest were logistical people people that help with evangelism, with eyeglasses. Eyeglasses is a huge ministry. People that help in the children's ministry, which is so popular. We also delight in doing sports evangelism because the teenagers uh, love to uh, play sports, wiffle ball, soccer, and we delight in uh, having them uh, sit and we share some stories about the gospel and teach them about Jesus um, after they're taking a break and drinking some water. And we do home visits and village visits, and it was a real powerful trip, Dan. It was uh, amazing. It was one of the more difficult trips I have ever taken because of how how extensive the travel was. The Bible tells us we should go to the outer reaches and I often say that my most out-of-reach trip had been to southern Siberia by the border of Outer Mongolia, but this trip was clearly into the outer reaches of Nicaragua. We traveled eight hours from Managua, which was the which is the capital, and after the eight-hour trip from where we lodged, we traveled each day an hour and 45 minutes um, each way up into this mountain village to serve the people. Well, that's beautiful. Um, it's You've covered so much already. Um, you go because um, it's a mission. It's, it's, 
It's obeying our Lord's great commission, and you have a real love for these people, Frank. Um, I recall that you took along one young man from our church, and um, he went with you. How did that work out? Tremendous. Thomas had a wonderful experience. He himself said that it was transformative in his life and in his mind and in his spirit. And he blossomed while he was on the mission field. He he was able to interact with other young people. We had 15 people on the team uh, younger than the age of 25. The youngest person was 16, and they just had a tremendous time together. There were five young males <clears throat> and five young uh, female uh, young women who uh, were were very close in age, and they had a tremendous time serving, stepping out of their comfort zone, and God provided tremendous strength and grace for them. Where now they come back, and for them to witness or share the gospel or to try and lead somebody to Christ is something that they've done already now. It's something that being back home, where sometimes the mission field is even more difficult back home with our family and our friends and our our neighbors, uh, but it, they've had that experience, and, and Thomas has a new boldness and courage in Christ that he did not have before he left. Oh, that's so good. That's so neat. You know, I mentioned something before, and just uh, we just mentioned it casually, uh, the, the phrase Great Commission, and maybe there's a listener who has not heard of that, and I, I wanted to read one of the scriptures that relates and to that and where we get that from. Uh, one of the places is Matthew uh, 28, where Christ is saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's a wonderful promise from our Lord and I imagine that this must be one of the verses that often comes to your mind as you as you go to the mission field and minister Christ's love to people. We take that mandate very seriously. It's one of the commands that uh, we take to make disciples, which is an imperative. And, and when an imperative is given to us by Jesus, uh, then we have the responsibility and obligation to fulfill that not optional. And the reason we go is to make disciples, to teach, to witness, but through the witness, our our hope and our prayer is to make disciples that would then further make more generations of disciples and to multiply the church and see the kingdom advance. And wherever we go around the world, we work with national missionaries who work with local pastors in a region, and they will bring these pastors together and unify them in the common doctrine of the cross and the atonement and the resurrection. And when we are finished in clinic, then the pastors will remain together, unified, to work together as a, as a single body. And then the follow-ups can be done through the Church and the body of Christ. And it's a great picture of how we're all members of one body, but we serve one Lord. Mm. And the national missionary then can hold the 
the pastor association or these pods of pastors that form around these countries accountable. So there's a trickle-down accountability where the pastor will hold the missionary, prayerfully hold these unified pastors together, and the Mm -hmm. pastors encourage and edify one another to stay strong in, in growing their churches and building their churches and and uh, discipling, and also to be the men in, of God that they need to be. Well, oftentimes we, on these trips, Dan, which is one of the most exciting things we do, is we work with the pastors. Each team, I will bring a pastor or two or an elder or two who will sit with the pastors as we're in clinic, and they will do uh, pastor training. Uh, this particular area. They had 23 local pastors from probably about a 40-kilometer area that we were able to love on and minister to. And I had two pastors who sat with them for about four hours a day going over some doctrinal training. And oftentimes they want to know practical things. How, how can they disciple? How do they build their church? How do they develop small groups? How can they be a better husband? How can they father their children under in, in difficult in difficult times and in, in difficult poverty, we also delight in, in gifting them uh, with Bibles. Many of these pastors, as you know, are young people who have never been seminary trained. They have uh, very torn, worn Bibles. They love their people, love the Lord, love love the gospel, and they want to teach and preach. But they've never really been doctrinally trained, and so we come alongside of them and help with some of that training, and we usually give them nice leather-bound study Bibles, and this brought one of the pastors to tears. He just started sobbing when we gave him his study Bible. He said he had been praying for a study Bible for three years, and he just clutched it and and cherished it. Oh, that's precious. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, It's a blessing to hear that You're working with churches. Um, You're supporting the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In radio years ago, there was a guy that that, uh, used to be a religious broadcaster, and he got off track, and he got really confused and mixed up, and he started telling people to leave the church and all of that. And so I became rather sensitive to that because I realized, wait a minute, (laughs) our Lord Jesus Christ has his church and the gates of hell is not is not going to prevail against this church, and we must support the local churches. I'm so glad to hear you're you're doing that. Yes. Um, where is Nicaragua? Maybe someone is curious and not too familiar with the globe, the geography. Uh, could you describe it to us? Sure. Nicaragua is in Central America. It's right north of uh, Costa Rica and right south of Honduras, and it is uh, bordered on the west by the Pacific Ocean. It's quite a beautiful country. The topography is mountainous. Um, They have a lot of agriculture. It's very green. Tourism is is growing. Politically, it's somewhat unstable. Uh, The president there is Ortega, and he's been in in power now for uh, six years looking to change the constitution in Nicaragua. This is unofficial, but the people tell me that he would 
like to continue a third term, and their constitution holds only to two terms, but he would delight in continuing his power, and uh, with ongoing power in that area, he, he befriends people in Venezuela before Chavez died, and he was friends with Chavez, and he, he befriends uh, Cuba, and Bush or Reagan called it the axis of evil, which is Iran and uh, Russia as well. Back in, the, back in the 80s, the Sandinistas were the uh, communist revolutionists, and uh, this particular party that's in power now is the old Sandinista government. They're supposed to be democratic, but there's there's still so much corruption and so much difficulty and, and morality and ethics, and that's why the that's why the poverty proliferates because we know that poverty is not really an economic or a financial issue; it's a moral issue. Mm, so true. I'm glad to hear you mention that. <laughs> well, that's helpful, and so hopefully our listeners can, in their mind's eye, kind of picture where this is located, and also kind of get a little bit of a feel for the government of Nicaragua. One question that just popped into my mind is, um, in our news here in the States, we have a problem on our border with illegal immigration occurring, and the administration not doing anything about that. Um, Are any of the kids coming from as far south as Nicaragua? Yes, quite a few. Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, Guatemala. Those three countries are sister countries that have in common uh, the desire to see a better life because there is so much poverty and there's so much corruption. Mm-hmm. Especially Honduras and El Salvador, there's tremendous gangs and warlords there, especially drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. And most of the Central American countries uh, because of the poverty and the desire to see a better life for themselves, would would love to be able to cross over the border. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that there's a right way to cross over the border and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And um, yet um, there's an opportunity here, it seems, for Christians to minister, even as these kids flow in um, across this border illegally, and so I hope that we can somehow take that opportunity while still wanting to maintain the rule of law. Yeah. Well, today we're talking with Dr. Frank Imbarado. He's a medical doctor here in the Hudson Valley area. God has laid on his heart to help other people in countries that uh, perhaps they don't have nearly the medical Uh, infrastructure and processes in place to help people. So he goes to, in this case, Nicaragua, helps them out. And um, without giving away any personal information, what specifically might a doctor do in Nicaragua on one of these missions trips, uh, Dr. Frank? The team was very diverse. We did have the blessing of having 10 physicians on the team along with the six nurses. And most of the care we do is, is fairly rudimentary and basic. We have to bring all our own equipment. We bring all our own medicines. And the access to health care in that country is, is very poor. So much of health maintenance in regarding diabetes and high blood pressure and cholesterol 
is really not done in a country like that. We'll see those diseases, of course, and uh, we will take care of them to a degree. But, for instance, if we see somebody with extremely high blood pressure, sometimes it would be counterproductive and maybe even dangerous to give them medicine for even a month and then uh, bring their blood pressure down and then them for run out of medicine and right. medicine to go and then their blood pressure to go back up. So uh, sometimes it's, it's best to uh, just leave well enough alone. And, but we do try and maintain uh, some of their chronic health issues. Most of what we see is conditions related to their bodies being worn, a lot of uh, musculoskeletal issues, a lot of gastric issues, a lot of infection. We do, we delight in just bringing them basic public health education. There'll be people lining up to see us at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, so when we get to clinic, there'll be hundreds of people waiting. So it's a captured audience, so our nurses will spend time before they get triaged with uh, teaching them basic public health, hand washing, toileting, uh, certain things about dental hygiene, oral hygiene, and caring for their children. And a sequence in the, if we have time, I'll just share with you real quickly the sequence of the clinic. The people, before, as they come and they line up, they'll be spiritually triaged by the pastors They'll be evangelized, they'll have the gospel shared with them, and then they'll move to medical triage, and then through medical triage they'll get public health education. And then they'll go either to pediatrics, medical, eyeglasses, or dentistry. And then in each each aspect of the clinic, we will show them the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. They will remember the love that we show them and the hands that we touch them with and the smiles we give them with love and dignity much longer than they will remember the vitamins that we give them or the right. Tylenol or the antibiotics or the medicine for 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 diabetes. Mm. Um, the village we were in had never seen Americans before. We were so remote that we really were aliens in a, in a foreign country. That um, And they, they were very guarded the first day or two, but by the end of the day, we by the end of the week, we celebrated a worship service in one of the churches there, and practically the whole village showed up to bid us farewell and to celebrate you know, the good the good work that God had allowed us to do in the village. And when we left, uh, people were literally crying that uh, we were leaving. Oh, that is very touching. Um, when I see a doctor care for someone in distress, it always evokes in me the emotion of of um, appreciation and almost brings tears to my eyes. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful profession. I'm wondering, Doctor Frank, you went to medical school, and at that time, did you think you'd ever be doing what you're doing now? That's a great question, Dan. Um, part of my testimony is that when I went to medical school, I, I was not a Christian. God had me go to medical school in Mexico. And it was right at the start of affirmative action when I graduated undergrad and made the waiting list and ultimately ended up going to medical school in Mexico where the courses and the and the examinations were all in Spanish. And I was wondering what I was doing down there 
immersing myself in a culture, learning <laughs> a culture, and studying in a foreign language. And I came back, and, and several years later, the, the Lord brought me to Himself. And I had also taken four years of Latin in high school and had no clue why I was doing that as well. But the, the Latin and the, the Spanish did come back to be a real blessing. And it was only when I came to the Lord and recognized that he had given me such a gift of faith and that he blessed me that my my life was now destined to bless him and to bless others through the means of medicine. And I recognized that no matter where I am, whether it be my home, my family, my church, my work, that's my mission field. And then the Lord also opened up the the horizon for me through CMDA to do international mission work. So everything I've been doing since my my conversion has been in 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 many ways with the spectrum and the vision of being missional. And uh, God has just put that on my heart, and I am challenged each and every day how I can be missional and where I am and what I'm doing and and who I may be able to bless. It's a it's a beautiful account, and here in America, sometimes we can I say this? I think I can. We we our expectations for healthcare are increasingly focused as coming from the government, you know, uh, top down bureaucracy and all of that. And here, what we're seeing is tender, loving care, expert care, even using your own equipment, your own medicines to help people in the name of Jesus Christ. And it, it's the feeling I'm getting as I look at this is it's very efficient and God is being glorified and people are really being helped. The people, when you touch them, whether it be here domestically in my office, which uh, there's just tremendous fruit amongst my staff and, mm. and the patients that we see in prayer and people know who we are, Christian music being played in, in the office. And when we go on the international field, they know what we're doing there, sharing the love and the gospel of Christ. They are impacted in a, a tremendous way, and, and, and we hope that it's a long-term. As I said, the, the medicine's going to uh, wear off. And our hope is that God's kingdom gets advanced by being able to make disciples, to love and witness. And Historically, the medical field and the healthcare profession was embraced by the churches, and, and God's kingdom was advanced through the hospitals. If right. you think back, there were Baptist hospitals, Methodist hospitals, Catholic hospitals, Presbyterian hospitals that many still exist in name, but unfortunately they've lost that passion to, to hold true to the gospel message that they originally were designed or started out to share the gospel through the means of medicine. Mm. Well, I'm looking at the clock here. We've got a couple of minutes left, and uh, Frank, I don't know if you can fit it in in time. I understand you're heading back to another place on this giant world of ours, and that is Macedonia. Could you give us a really brief and quick update on that ministry there? Macedonia is a project God has allowed us to develop over the last couple of years. It's a physician training slash discipleship program that 
the government of Macedonia coming out of communism two decades ago. They had been in communism for six decades, and, and they are partnering with us in CMDA to train their physicians, and we are, have the license to openly share the gospel amongst the Eastern Orthodox people and the Muslims in that country. They just went through a, a national election, and the conservative party won and the parliament members who are our conservative friends won, and they've been reelected now for another four years. So our memorandum of understanding to continue to work and labor in that mission field has been reestablished for hopefully another three, four years. So mm-hmm. I'll be heading back over there in September. I have some friends that have moved over there full-time, really committed themselves to seeing God's kingdom advance, not just in Macedonia, but all through the Balkans. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, we're at the end of our uh, discussion today, Doctor. Just one more thing, and that is, um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, maybe they're a doctor, maybe they're a nurse, maybe they're interested in helping with the logistics in one of these trips, how would they contact you? And also, if they wanted to donate, how would they do that? My email is F as in Frank, Imbarato, I, M as in Mary, B as in boy, A R R A T as in Thomas, O M D at gmail.com. Feel free to contact me for any reason, personal or professional or missional. And donations can be sent through cmda.org. That's Christian Medical and Dental Association. It's cmda.org. Very simple website, and they can click on. Um, it's a very, very excellent, excellent website. Mm, beautiful. Well, we'll uh, we'll list this on our website also, Doctor, as we uh, post this broadcast up as a podcast at RedeemerBroadcasting.org, and there we'll include your email address, fimbaratomd at gmail.com, as well as cmda.org, so people can slowly look at that and and follow up if the Lord is leading them in that direction. Dr. Frank Imbarato has been my guest today here on A Plain Answer. Thank you, Frank, for joining us today. My pleasure, Dan. Thank you for having me. To our listener, please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. 